You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode thirty-eight. Hey, I'm John. I'm joined by John. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm all right. Hi, uh, Chris. How are you doing? You all right? <coughs> oh right, dear. Right, that's it. Started. Um, yes. So I, you need to laugh about these things. Otherwise, you'll end up crying in a corner or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's the three of us, and we are. We're lucky to be joined by a guest because basically there's nothing to talk about football-wise pretty much <laughs> in terms of what's been going on. Um, so we are joined by another podcaster who does a podcast himself with some great guests. Um, we've got Callum. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so but before we can talk about what you do and different things like that, the important question that's in everyone's lips is how many rolls of toilet paper do you have? <laughs> I think I've got about, uh, about eight. That's going to do me, I think. Do you? Right, okay. Uh, Chris, many? Uh, I, I, I can have to hold my hand up and say I have been panic buying. I have went out and bought a nine pack instead of a four. Oh, a nine pack? Well, that's what I usually buy is a nine pack, to be fair. Um, John? At least it's not nine nine packs. Um, no, <laughs> I have one uh, nine pack in a couple. <laughs> How many, John? Um... I forgot to count, sorry. <laughs> Roughly. I've, Roughly. Not, I've not been past. I don't know, but 12 or something. 12 or something, right. So, the weekend, I was kind of trying to get some. We were down to the last two in the household, struggling. No one's seen me have them. So, mentioned to the, the in-laws. They're pretty good at but they're retired, so they've got time in their hands. So, uh, I, they said, I, we'll go on the hunt today and get some. Came back in the house, get in the front door. We have... 48 rogues of toilet paper, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Jeez. I know, because uh, this situation has been created by folk panic buying, uh, just mental. So, if we are all going to be self-isolated for three months, I reckon we might be alright in our household. Don't know what you're doing. Um, we are, I'm going, I, I'll hold my hands up here. See if I run out of toilet paper. I have a shower. I can probably get by. <laughs> Aye, the, prob- well, the real problem yes. I have is you bastards keep buying pasta. I'm going to starve if there's no pasta. Well, that's the other issue, aye. When we spoke about the pasta thing last week, and that was a wee bit flippant because we were still in this period of thinking, aye, aye, it's... But we'll be all right, we'll be all right. I mean, now we can't go out. I mean, we're lucky we do this podcast all in our houses. We don't need to meet each other. That's good. To be fair, we've not even really met each other much. Um, so we've already self-isolated each other for a good few years. I've only got one bag of pasta. I've only got one bag of pasta. This oh, is um, critical. That is critical. That is critical. Because you you told us last week that you eat pasta every day for your lunch. It worked, yeah. It worked. (laughs) So, hi. I'm alright for pasta, but I the the toilet roll situation, that was getting a bit desperate. Because if you're going to work, that means it's a bit different. You know that. Um, I've heard of restaurants even being out of toilet roll, because folk will be nicking them, probably, and all that. But a crazy situation. so if anyone needs any toilet roll, uh, five pound roll. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, with that, so yeah, getting a couple of ones with five pound a sheet. Well, to be fair, I think toilet roll is going to replace the pound as currency. Because <laughs> never get any money to spend. Going to have any money to spend. We've all to do things contactless. So aye. Right, I knew we were going to have to do some chit-chat to um, fill in the lack of football, but I didn't realise we are taking it too literally, guys. Well, <laughs> it's a great start. Well, it'll continue. So, um, Welcome aboard, Callum. It doesn't get much better than this. <laughs> but, uh, you've got well, a great week to come on. Uh, to be fair, there is one game we can talk about this week. Well, there is, I, yeah. Did I remember to watch it, though? No. I completely missed the Rangers game. <laughs> See, I did watch it, but it was one of those. I well, there was yeah. St. Manhart's as well. There was St. Manhart's as well. And I think there was some midweek action in the championship. Aye, so... Um, St. Manhart's, Hearts, aye, we could start with that. Aye, I, I, I managed to at least get a bit of that because um, it seems like an absolute age ago that we're saying, that's Hearts doing then. Um, didn't think we'd been literally. <laughs> well... Yeah. 
Who knows? What's going to happen? Cal, you'll be disappointed. That result, um, that you know, that destroys your dreams of a name for Derby next season. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's it's an interesting situation, and obviously, lots of people are talking about voiding leagues and and keeping the tables as as they are. And and for many Morton fans like myself, it's just it's a nightmare scenario to be honest. Because you just think to yourself, if if there's any chance of getting an extra name for your derby, as you've said, the more the merrier. Yeah, one thing uh, that is good. We've heard, I've heard in the last five minutes breaking news about the Scottish Cup. Um, they're awarding it to the team uh, first in the alphabet this season, which is good. <laughs> um, it's still in it. So, congratulations, uh, Derek and the team. Uh, Aberdeen Champions 2020 Scottish Cup. You heard it first on the podcast. I, I didn't realise Alborg were even allowed to play in the Scottish Cup. Oh, well, aye. So, <laughs> aye. So, aye, that was a good, yeah. something good there. But I know... Um, What's going to happen? There's no way they can just, I think, have it on the standings as you would end up all sorts of legal action, which we've already heard and Bunch talking about the hearts. I can't see how you can just have it in complete season. They are on a complete loser no matter what they do. I think that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And as I said on Twitter, um, and sorry to mention this, Lewis coming, um, the Statement League champion, but this is not the time for Statement League competition. Every club should just shut up just now, just let the authorities go on with it, because for once I have a I have sympathy with authorities, because this is totally unprecedented. They're damned no matter what they do. Just let them actively and sensibly to see if we can come to some kind of solution. I agree with you, Chris. I think they need to find somebody completing the season. If it has to resume in August, then so be it. Um, but there is no way that you can have a null and void season after 30 games or decide right now, um, well, for example, Celtic win the title and Hearts getting relegated um, because it would just create a legal minefield. And no, we don't want our money going at the course. We need the money in Scottish football. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, <laughs> the, the way I seen that was the, 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 there are several options and none of them are any good really because for one, every, for the first thing important, the important first part of this is that there, everybody's waiting to see what UEFA do because UEFA are obviously the ones that hold the cards because they've got Euro 2020 sitting right in the middle of summer as it stands. Um, everybody's suspecting that's getting moved or canned or something along those lines. December's been mentioned, but 2021 summer um, would seem to make more sense. That gives you for their own headaches with the women's uh, tournament, but they can move stuff around. That, Aye, once they move stuff around, and the meeting is tomorrow, yeah, we'll be, whenever you're reading, listening to this, reading it. But, um, so yeah, that, that means tomorrow. So when that takes place, we'll have a better view of what space there is. But what we're not going to know is when's this going to end? Because they're provisionally shut down till the start of April um, most leagues that have mentioned the start of April are thinking no chance we're back for April um, this could drag on for months we could be into July August before we can play any football again it might be even later than that we don't know how long this is going to last at all um, so they can put stuff in place that might allow them to continue the season as it is um, all they want but they're not going to know for sure whether they can actually get away with it I think everybody's preference would be that we can complete all the games. Yeah. I think that's my preference as well in terms of continuing the games. And one of the things I was just thinking about today was they're talking about putting the Euros back to obviously 2021 in the summer, but because the World Cup in Qatar is going to fall in the winter, is there a potential for them to put it back to the Euros back to summer 2022? Now, I know that's a nightmare potentially having two major international tournaments the same year. But if you do that, you can buy time. So if we don't start this season, we're currently in until August again, you've got plenty of time to catch up before you then have to rejig the calendar again next year because this is all going to have a, a, backlog, a backlog effect. Because as you've just said, if you start the season again late July, early August to finish these last eight games, the Scottish Cup, the Champions League, the next season's maybe not going to start to say November because the players only need holidays pre-season um, as well. So I think my, my suggestion is might not be viable, might be absolutely nonsense, but I think if they could even put it back to, to, to 2022, the Euros, for that summer, um, it might buy lots of time to restructure the tournaments that need restructured. 
Yeah, the good thing is we're Scottish, we're Marley the way, so it'll be nuts. You're all right. No going to affect us. The good thing about jigging the tournaments, though, is that if they... If they can find a way to finish the one we currently have, shortening the next one isn't in, inconceivable because everybody yeah, knows it's yep. been shortened from the get-go, so they know what's at stake and when. We, across all four major divisions, play each other four times. If you make it two, you're certainly very quickly finishing that season as well. Yep. Um, so you've got like an 18-game uh, season in the lower leagues. You've got, what's that, 22 in the top fight? top. You could do 22 in the top flight and then split if you want to make it a wee bit bigger. Yeah. I think the thing as well is the, the whole thing about the null and void or, or whatever is how that impacts on the European tournaments. Mm-hmm. Who then qualifies for European tournaments? Is it just the same people yeah. that qualified for this season that goes into the next time whenever it's played? So there's, yep. there's so many issues relating to this. Um, I mean, yeah, other leagues I've think, seen it. Italy. I think this should cancel. Yeah. Well, what cancel or postpone or what? That's the thing. Um, I think, yeah, I think. Well, I suggested that they should actually cancel this year's competition and just keep the coefficients as it was. You know, with the points they end up to now, yeah. um, because you're unlikely to get that finished. But it might even be worthwhile putting it back. The other big issue is um, players' contracts are out in the summer. Um, yeah. You know, there's incentive for clubs, so it's just um, a nightmare. Going back to the Euros um, scenario, um, the the t- the November December thing might actually make it um, a bit more sense if you were um, cancelling the uh, Champions League or postponing that by year because um, what they might just they do is just cancel the Nations League um, and just do a World Cup qualification. Um, who knows? I mean, um, you know, I don't envy anyone who's on that uh, 55 um, nation video conference call tomorrow. That's going to be. <laughs> I think it will take them all day to get um, finishing that little and making a decision. Um, but. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, as everyone's saying, UEFA need to take the lead in this and then we just need to try and fit around it. But um, I think it's wise for every football club right now, you know, um, Neil Lennon and uh, Rangers were statement today and Budge, I think everyone just needs to button it for um, a little bit and just, you know, take it from there. I mean, I, I can understand why the likes of Anne Budge is coming out today and saying um, I'll be taking legal action if you stop the season as it is now and Hearts get relegated because we know how spineless the governing bodies are in Scotland. So if her coming out and threatening is going to push them in the direction of not doing that, of course she's going to come out and do it. Um, and she'd actually have a, I think she'd have a, a legal case. I'm not a lawyer or anything, but given that they were supposed to play 38 games, they've only played 30 you can't really say that the, the season's finished properly. Um, I think they'd be well within the rights to, to challenge that. Um, I think mm-hmm. th- there's going to be that problem no matter what they do, though, because, as you say, if we do get the season finished eventually, but it's in August or something like that, what well, teams are going to lose some of their players that were contracted until the end of June. Well, some of the loan. The Fraser, Fraser Foster, for instance, there's a perfect example. He's on loan at Celtic at the moment. He's supposed to be finishing up at the end of the season. Now, actually, the end of the season was meant to be end of June, so then he'd be away back to Southampton. So it might come that Celtic need to play out the last eight games of the season without the goalkeeper they've had, if they can get it restarted at a later point in time. But it's not just that. There's there's um, sponsors and TV deals and um, there's season tickets. So, I mean, if, if you stopped the season now and didn't play those last eight games, you're missing three or four games off your season ticket. You're yeah, actually due a refund. I found a Castle's winning the money back as well. Mm-hmm. The broadcasters Aye. want their money back, the sponsors want their money back, and that's all happening when the teams themselves don't have income. And fans will want money back for uh, the games are not here on TV. What's going to stick them as well? What's going to stick them as well is the fact that I was listening to Off the Ball at the weekend, and Stuart Cosgrove made a very good point. If you stop the season now, not every single team's played 30 games. St Johnson mm-hmm. have played 29, and if they win their game in hand, they could go into the top six. So, mm-hmm. really, you're in a position where if you call time on it now, St Johnson can, can have a legal case to say they could potentially be losing out £150,000 through no fault of their own because they can't play that game. So it's a minefield, I think, no matter what they do. If it's null and void, it causes chaos um, for for the clubs in regards to broadcasters can ask for their money back because the season, obviously, that they've put their money into is no longer existing. If you try and award the titles now and say you've had your season again as Matt and Budge has come out and said that causes lots of legal, legal ramifications none of us on here claim to be lawyers but if a season is 38 games and you end it prematurely I don't know how 
what the small print is to cover that. So it I is think going that's to be one I think that's one thing that definitely won't happen is that they'll just have it in this this uh, the standings that is just now. The other issue we've yeah. got just now in Scotland, don't uh, forgetting elsewhere, is our league's still looking for a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Who's going to sponsor something when they don't know when it's going to start? Aye, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, the lower club, lower league clubs are not just lower league clubs. Clubs in the top flight as well. We've had Kilmarnock um, getting money from the, the Cali Fans Trust. Um, Kellen Beef Pell at kind of point as well about kind of helping out um, in terms of doing whatever they can, whether it's playing the lotteries that the clubs have, anything at all to get income. Because the situation is players still need played. Staff, potentially. Most of them still need paid, obviously. Um, in terms of contracts and stuff like that as well. So there's a bigger impact. There's also an impact in the economy because the amount of football, the amount of money that football brings to society, and the producing statistics even in the likes of the money that um, Spartans brings to the local community, it's massive. Yeah. The economy globally is pretty much Donald Duck just now, let's let's be honest. Um, Hmm. We did a a poll um, on how the SPFL season should be decided. So there was three options there. Just 6% put in the null and void, uh, 45% of which I was wondering put resume at a later date, and 49% say on current standards. So I wonder where. Um, <laughs> yes, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Slight influence there, but yeah, it's a, it's a desperate situation. Um, I th- worst case scenario, I think they should just uh, get the captains of um, every t- uh, team in the. Uh, Scottish Premiership and just have games of FIFA to the end to decide the end of this, this season. What the lower teams do, I don't know. Maybe um, Morton's captain can go Barcelona and uh, <laughs> um, Dundee can go in uh, Real Madrid or something like that. That's the only way around it. Uh, games of FIFA exotic because of the social distancing thing. We can't have the Royal Rumble that we've threatened Ooh. in the past because they kind of get that close <laughs> to each other. Um, just in terms, obviously, earlier on in the podcast, the Twitter account we were just having some random chat about what we're going to talk about. We always like to talk, chat about a bit of wrestling, pies. To be, to be fair, most of the responses we've had is about being wrestlers, um, as opposed to any pie chat. Um, probably there's a lot of people maybe scared to send photos of the pies that they would usually be looking at. Um, so, <laughs> that was maybe the issue there. But uh, Callum, are you a wrestling fan? I'm a massive wrestling fan, to be oh, honest. Oh, there we are. Uh, in terms of my hero growing up was uh, Triple H. She was, she was a man and Chris Jericho and Triple H, I think, when they were the two. Obviously, I, I just kind of grown up. I just kind of bypassed the sort of Stone Cold and, and the Rock. I, I seen yeah. wee bits of them, but I, I was too young to actually take it in. Whereas the first two guys I properly took in and idolised were, were Chris Jericho and Triple H. They, uh, they were my favourites. Good choice, like Y2J. But they had the, the strange scenario with Friday uh, SmackDown, where it was there was no fans, but they decided to go ahead and have it at the performance centre. That's one. I mean, go, go, going back to football, this is one thing I think I would actually agree with Rangers on. Rangers have got obviously came out and said they don't think it should end now, and they don't want to play the games behind closed doors. Um, they're, they're savour that one because they want to make sure it's either cancelled or played to a finish, um, because they're the one team that could still stop Celtic winning a nice tight on a row. But actually, I would say if you can't play in front of a bunch of fans for health reasons you shouldn't be putting 11 against 11 on a pitch either so I, th- I, th- I think that the closed doors thing should be canned on health reasons if nothing else it's interesting the racing has been held behind closed doors how's the racing managed to escape because horses are immune because well, betting must go on because betting aye, but that's, the big thing. The that, that's what it comes down to is a betting it has to be yeah. I mean I don't know does anyone actually watch horse racing because they like it uh, no, there is, there is, no, there is people that like it, but oh, it's crazy because you had the situation at Kelso today where it was behind closed doors, you know, had your trainers and all that type of thing. I think one of the prizes was a bag of carrots that I seen in the news earlier. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that yourself, but it was something I spotted. I spotted these daft things. Um, Ultimately, though, this is people meeting up with people, and if you're supposed to yeah. be social distancing, that's going against that. Yeah. How can you play a game of football and, and maintain your distance? <laughs> Well, that's the thing as well. I think Wait, the, the, the main thing is... <laughs> corners. I've seen some so defenses. Calm on you. And it's too bloody close at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Calm on you go. What are you saying? So the main thing that that you said that I agree with the closed door thing is, obviously, when it comes to football, you, you, you if there's going to be social distancing and, and health comes first, even though certain footballers earn a lot of money, their health has to come first as well. And 
when you get out to the lower leagues, you know what it's like. You're talking about likes of Spartans, Cowden Beef. I mean, those guys that play for those teams are the earning fortunes, and why should they have to to risk their health in in a, in a pandemic situation uh, to end the season? Do you know what I mean? So it is, it is one that's it's, it's, as we've seen this whole show so far. It's it's hard to it's hard to think how you come to a, a natural end without upsetting somebody. Uh, maybe maybe a solution um, if if we want to play games um, with, with with crowds not too far away from each other and players not touch each other. Why don't we just have a game of long shoot at Ibrox? Maybe that would sort, solve it. Rock paper scissors. Do you remember playing that when you were um, young? Oh, I. Mm-hmm. I never played it at Ibrox, but I played long shoot. <laughs> <laughs> or you would have maybe called it something like Mini Hamden or um, whatever you named your local park. Uh, <laughs> so that's the podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair that is about all we can talk about the football Hearts were getting relegated last week because they get beat after burn and then everyone yep. stopped um, and obviously Rangers get beat at home uh, after by Leverkusen 3-1 um, from what I heard that was deserved but like I said I forgot to watch the game <laughs> one game of football all week I, and I forgot to Leverkusen were pretty much in control. I wouldn't even say they could have broke out a first or second gear. It was cruise yeah. control. They weren't playing at any particular pace or anything like that, but it just kept the ball, kept the ball, and Rangers could hardly get a, a sniff, get a touch. Um, and I probably don't like surprise us the fact that the scoreline was maybe as close as it was at the end. But the game's not going to get played. When's, when's the second leg going to get played at that? Who knows? About what to do with those tournaments because they've obviously stopped the Europa League and the Champions League. There's a lot of talk of what they'll do from like the quarterfinals on, but they still need to finish the last 16 first because um, there's a lot of the Champions League isn't done either. I think a couple of the first leg games aren't done, never mind the second leg. I think another, another suggestion maybe is that the, team, the teams that have won the most trophy, European trophies and now uh, domestically should go into the next year's competition. So Aberdeen should be in the Champions League next year. Got all sorted. Have you got the blueprint? <laughs> or I should say the red print. The red print. Um, for that. Yeah. I've I've got to applaud um some of the um some of the clubs and social media for trying to do things to make oh, um best at the bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um like Southampton were inviting Norwich City for a virtual game and all the rest of it. Um the SFA uh, the Scotland national team account have actually said they're having Facebook live matches, um Scotland v Sweden nineteen ninety six, Scotland v Ukraine uh, two thousand seven, that kind of thing. So at least they're doing something to try and fill it out better than as opposed to BBC putting on um, instead of match today, Mrs Brown's boys. Um, oh, I mean that's. I mean, if anything's going to cause oh, you want to know be self isolated, it's that. I mean, anyone that finds uh, off on it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, sports scene should do sports scene gold on a Sunday. You know, oh, just definitely, aye. Random games oh, the nineties and stuff. Um, I saw a St Johnston fan had tweeted earlier. Um, you know, put in. If, he put in a couple of um, games against Premier League teams. One was against Aberdeen 5 Now, Thankfully, that was never recorded. But there was a game that they put on. It was St. Johnston versus Airdrie in 99. I actually remember that game. It was a first, in the old first division um, when McDermott Park wasn't long opened. And it was full capacity, 10,000. And it was a cracking game of football to watch. Um, 3-1 St. Johnston ended. It could have, if it wasn't for John Martin, it could have been about 6-1. It was, Aye. Uh, the Aberdeen podcast is pretty good today as well. Aye. So I've seen... Yeah, Bayern game as if it's in real time, <laughs> and there's even a, a a stream on YouTube to watch of it. So Brilliant. stuff like that's good. But I, I mean, I've got BT Sport, and at the weekend you're sitting in the house, you're thinking maybe they'll show like replays old games. I think I had a choice of watching, I don't know, badminton, which I don't mind to be fair, but I didn't watch it, and there's not much else to watch to be fair. It was, it was pretty dire. Yeah. Um, so, there's a Sky will do old firm games on repeat, which that's what we'll do at the weekend. It can be a bit fair. Like this weekend, yeah. it made a bit of sense. Yeah, true. Just like to see them doing you no know, other classic games that they've had because Sky have had some good games not involving Celtic and Rangers together. They've had some good games involving other teams. Um, I'd love to yeah. see they've got a bigger back catalogue, obviously, in BT Sport. That probably helps as well. I'd love to see yeah, the 6 each game Motherwell and Hibs replayed that yes, game that's a great shoot yeah. that was a 
cracker. Uh, yeah, that was a game when Sky... Any Morton games that would make the last column? I know you're a Morton fan. In terms of mad mental Morton games, obviously it has to be the, the 4-1 game against St Martin at home a few years ago, but obviously you're not getting the full 90 minutes, but the highlights are on YouTube. Aye. But one that you wouldn't want would be 10-2 at Hamilton. Oh, jeez, don't. Actually, yeah. I, Is that your worst moment? That's, that's the worst moment by far, and what's interesting is one of the guys who was on the bench that day from Morton, I went through school with, David McNeil, and he described it. I spoke to him recently and he said, also, Kenny Shields um, turns around for like five minutes to go and starts looking at the bench. And he's, he, he said to me, he says, everybody's just looking going, don't even think about putting me on, don't even think about it. And then he said, they came in after the game, also fans went mental, rightly so. He says he came in and Kenny Shields just sat with his head in his hands and didn't say a single word. And I said, that's the first time he's ever came across that in his, in his short career. And some of the other players said that as well. But Aye, that's got to be the lowest point because to concede 10 in any game, whether it's FIFA, Sabutio, whatever it is, is just embarrassing. It's beyond embarrassing. Sabutio, that takes me back. I liked a bit of that. Yeah. See, I in terms of being a rival, I think so. I, he, he flicked for kicks and different things like that and stuff. Um, in terms of this season, then, as a Morton fan, how would you, do you rate it so far? Or? To be honest with you, it was a, it was a slow start. Um, the club... Went through a lot of changes in the summer. They started with only only kind of two players, but gradually brought brought more and more players in. It was very slow. You a lot of fans in the first kind of third of the season were saying, oh, "I don't really know if the the, the first regarding David Hopkins coming back in this three year deal's worth it." But to be fair, since the turn of the new year, it's been been unbeaten until until went up to Inverness, you know. So it, the, the turn of the new year was brilliant in terms of. There just seemed to be more of an idea what was going on in the park, and, and for me, obviously I'm biased, but Nicky Cadden, I think the club's got one of the best players in the league, and the hope was to keep him, and he's out of contract at the end of the season, whenever the end of the season is now, but I think he's been a joy to watch Nicky Cadden this season, and, and for me, I think overall it looked as if it was going to be a good end to the season, if the season ends now. Ah, you were chuffed that the club stayed up, but at the same time, you're kind of gutted it's ending now because the momentum and the chance to build is still there. But I think for Morton, it's onwards and upwards next season. I think we've we've got a good platform to build on, considering that, as I say, I think we are safe, considering last season under Jonathan Johansson was was a scramble to the finish. So onwards and upwards, I think. Aye, definitely. You think if this season resumes that you'd be in with a shout at the playoffs? Or... I think if I'm being if I'm being truthful to myself, I think just miss out. I think we would just miss out the playoffs. To be honest, I think the resurgence obviously it came at a good time halfway through the season, but I think maybe just needed that to kickstart a couple of weeks earlier. Um, but I think it's one of those things where if the club can, as I say, I keep mentioning, if the club can keep Nicky Cadden and build a team around him, I think they could challenge for the playoffs next year. I'm not saying they would challenge for the league, of course yeah. not, especially when Hearts are going to be in it. Um, but <laughs> um, I think it's one of those ones where I think a good summer of recruitment, keeping their best players and building on it, and I think a playoff push next season is, is definitely realistic. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, there's a lot of teams that are obviously capable of playing for the league table. Um, anyone from seventh to second still um, with a chance, depending on when they resume. So, um, but. Yeah, given where you were last season, um, struggling with your hand, uh, your hands before you finally st- stayed up, and then there was that weird scenario in the last day of last season where your hands and uh, and Houston quit an hour before kickoff. What was that like when you heard that news? Well, not even heard the news. I was outside the ground, literally at half past one. Um, I was meeting up with a, a couple of a pals actually at the the Norseman, which is just down the road from the stadium. So I was just standing outside waiting and I actually saw Johansson and Peter Houston going up the kind of muddy wee steps towards the car park and my initial thought was I've just forgot something, do you know what I mean it's Morton, these are the sort of things you get used to um, and then literally you think well, they, why, they've been away for say 10 minutes wonder what's going on there, next thing you know Club Twitter, there's the announcement um, and I thought it was absolutely bizarre so one of my, my good friends is a, is a priest and he was out in Rome, John Morrison and I phoned him and I says, the manager and and Houston are away, and he just laughed and said, "I it's very good. 
the game's not even been played yet. And I went, I'm not kidding. They're, they're away. It's two o'clock. Um, McAllister and, and Miller are going to be in charge. So it was strange. And I think, obviously, it's well documented, the Charlie Telford, he can play, he can't play scenario. And that was, it was a strange atmosphere going into the game. It was Michael Tidsell's last game for the club. He scored a great free kick. But it just it just had a really strange air to the game. And then, as you know, Falkirk had been relegated, created a party atmosphere and everybody went away at the end kind of happy. But at the same time, before, um, when you were leaving the stadium that day, you did leave feeling really uncomfortable because the, the club had done an event a few weeks prior at a, a venue in Inverfly, basically saying the budget was going to be dramatically cut. Um, they were going to have to blood lots of young players and youth players because they couldn't afford to sustain the budget they had. And I think a lot of people left the stadium that day, delighted Falkirk had went down considering the Ray McKinnon situation, but also very worried about the future of the club. But obviously fast forward on to pre-season and David Hopkins getting announced, as I say, that brought lots of excitement to to fans. And, and for me personally, I was absolutely delighted. I mean, we've all seen the job he done at Livingston. Obviously, I know David will maybe not want me to mention Bradford, but um, he admits that was a tough spell for him. So I think it's a good appointment. It's been a good season so far. But to describe that game, as you asked me the question, it was utterly bizarre. It was a, 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 it was a, a kind of damp scrub in a way. You were, you were delighted. I mean, Michael Tidsa scored one of the best free kicks I've seen at Capelo in, 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 in a few years, and yet there's still just a sense of a strange air in, in, in the atmosphere. Yeah. Do, you, do you think it bring a bit of stability? Because obviously the last couple of years, um, you left, you let Jim Diffie go um, at the end of the season. And then obviously McKinn came in and buggered off to Falkirk after a month. And, and then uh, Johansson gone. So you think um, Hopkins will be there for the long haul? In terms of long haul, I do think David Hopkins will, will be at Morton for a period of time. Obviously... Let's be realistic. It depends on how successful David Hopkins is at Morton. I think if David Hopkins produces something similar to what he did with Livingston, would it would have been surprised if a if a, a club in the top six of the of the, of the Premiership in Scotland come calling for him? Then probably not. I wouldn't be surprised, no, because he has a manager that's shown he can work on a on a small budget and do well. But I think he he, he had the club already. Strange saying this because obviously it's only been eight or nine months, but it just has a it has a more of an air of stability than it has for quite a few years now since Jim Duffy left. Duffy's last season was very strange. It was going okay. You looked looked after the playoffs would be fine. Then it petered out completely towards the end. Lost a lot of players. McKinnon came in as you say. I remember beating Ross County in the first few games of that season, going top of the league. Obviously you don't expect to stay there, but you think office oh, is going to be good. It's going to be positive. Everyone under McKinnon, people might deny it now, but I'll be honest, when he came in, I did enjoy what I, I was seeing on the pitch. Michael Tidsa, I've mentioned him a few times, looked a different player under Ray McKinnon. He looked as if he had an extra spring in his step. He was he was dominating games in a way that you probably hadn't seen him dominate games um, since his first spell at the club. So the positivity was there. And then the Johansson and Houston either was tough. I felt sorry for both of them. I felt that he took over a job in tough circumstances. The football... And the atmosphere around the club wasn't great. Um, playing five at the back at home, to be honest with you, didn't help that. In the end, they stayed up. Falkirk went down. So I think that, as I say, raised raised um, its spirits. But I think, yeah, to answer your question again, David Hopkins, I think, will bring stability. It's overplayed when football that people support the club. But what I would say is David Hopkins is from the Inverclyde area. He's had close links to Morton as a player and as a coach for many years. So... What I would say about Hopkins compared to most managers that come in at Morton, he actually gets the club in the area, which I think gives him a great chance of, of creating stability and some level of success. Have you, had a, have you, have you always interviewed him before? I have. I've, I've interviewed him for... I do a kind of fortnightly podcast with the club. Um, where I talked to him and David McKinnon or some of the backroom staff and I've met David now a handful of times and every time I've I've spoken to him he's been he, he's a very he's a very approachable person I think in terms of the the media side of it some people kind of see him as being quite shy and quite reserved but once he's comfortable in your company I, I find him to be quite a funny guy um, when I interviewed him for the first fans Q&A podcast 
he just he, he introduced he, he introduced himself to me, which was was bizarre because I'm thinking, God, I'm 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 in, I'm in awe of you here, um, and he just said, what are you what we're we looking to achieve with this? I said, fans have emailed questions in. Uh, let's just see if we can create a positive atmosphere and improve communications. And and it's not just myself. I have to obviously say Ewan Boyle and, and Jeremy McDade. Those are the two guys that work in at the club on a daily basis, and and they've helped improve fan communications massively. I play a very small part in that. Um, I wouldn't claim to play a big part in that, but the the small part I've played in terms of getting to know David Hopkins from meeting him a handful of times, I've been I've been impressed with what I see, and I think he's a guy who, no matter what people think about him from other clubs, he definitely knows football and he knows the championship really well. Whether that's going to guarantee Morton promotion to the top flight again, I'm not going to say claim that's definitely going to be a guarantee, but I think he will get the club going in the right direction. And in terms of some of the players he's brought in, I really like Nicky Cadden, as I've mentioned a few times. Aidan Nesbitt started to come on to a game. And the player I've been really impressed with is Luca Colville, who brought from Bradford as a, as a young player. He just seems like somebody that's going to mature into being a really good player for Morton in, in, the, in the years ahead. And I think one of the most underrated players in the league is the Morton left-back, Lou Strap. I think he's such a young player with a lot of potential. And he's a player who I can only see going on to bigger and better things over the next five years or so. And he's definitely the best sub to put on Park. <laughs> so, do you know what was frustrating? See when they used to do that, they used to do the, the strap on thing, right? And it used to be brilliant because it just it was tremendous every time you saw it. And then I saw that they they eventually changed it and they just put on and then strap, and that was disappointing. So oh. sadly, he's not, oh. it's sad, isn't it? But he's not a sub anymore. But if he was to ever be on the bench again, I hope we see a resurgence of it. Oh, I definitely. Strap on, super sub, yeah. <laughs> so was it was it the Morton kind of podcast that you first get involved in doing podcasts? No, in terms of the the story behind it is just basically I've been I've been open to this before, but basically I went through a tough few months last year with with mental health, um, and I reached out to Phil Brown who hosts a Man United podcast, and Daniel G who's respected sports lawyer that works for some of the biggest clubs in the world, and they do podcasts, they do. Um, they've written books, articles, etc. And I just wrote to those two guys in the off chance saying, look, really enjoy your, your podcast, really enjoy your book, um, keep up the great work, and through a tough time and listening to your stuff or reading your stuff helped me through it. And both of them took me by surprise, said, can we give you a call to talk football? You seem really interested. Um, and they did. They spoke to me on the phone and said, you've got a real passion for, for, for football. You seem to know your stuff. Why are you not doing anything with this? And I explained to them that, when I was at high school, I had the grades to do sports journalism, but I never went for the dream because everyone I spoke to said, you don't know anyone in the industry, you're just wasting your time. You're going to, yeah. de- you're going to get a degree and you're not going to go anywhere with it. So I went down the education route and teaching, and I've been teaching for years. I'm still a full-time teacher now. But um, So basically, the reason I got involved in the podcast was just through the encouragement of those two guys convincing me that I could turn a dream into a reality. And I started it up. I've got the website now. I've got the podcast going. And Basically, it's just kind of grew arms and legs. When I started it, to be honest with you, I thought there'll be two listeners to the podcast. There'll be my girlfriend and me, or my girlfriend and my mum listening to it, do you know what I mean? And that'll be it. Whereas, obviously now, it's just reached over 12,500 people in nine weeks, which, wow. is, which is bonkers for me. Obviously, but, bonkers. Does like we've reached that uh, in nine I, years. I, I mean, I, I can't be afraid uh, in the chat. Aye, good, good John kept on saying about to listen to your podcast, so... I've listened to one so far, and that was a Joe Harper one, naturally. Um, that was one that kind of caught my eye, but yeah, it was really good. I mean, to for him to be kind of talking so much and the interest still to prolong, because sometimes you get, I don't know about your, the likes of the other guys on, the, on here or yourself, if you listen to a podcast, you used to always say, well, about 45 minutes is good for listening to a podcast because it, it keeps your attention and things like that. Whereas one with Joe Harper, obviously it's a two-part, or it's maybe about two and a half hours all in, roughly. It's very long, eh? <laughs> but I listened, I had a, a long journey from work the other week and listened to it. It was fantastic. Some of the stories I met Joe Harper, I was lucky enough to meet him um, as an Aberdeen fan up at Hospitality. Such a nice guy. Probably the only guy that's smaller than me in the world, I think, as well. I couldn't believe how kind of small he was. Um, but yeah, really nice guy. Um, but listening to the podcast, the surprising thing that I never knew and I think other people never knew was about the whole situation with Alex Ferguson and him. So it was a, an interesting oh. listen. Well, the thing with Joe as well is the Alex Ferguson relationship is something that he's talked about a few times, but it's something he doesn't, to be honest with you, over like talking about. And um, 
he, he was kind enough when I asked the question. He said, I've really enjoyed this talking to you and I, I feel like I can trust you, so I'm willing to talk about it, which was, which meant a lot to me because I yeah. didn't want to ask it to, to, to set him up for a headline or anything. I just, like we all are, when you when, when Andy mentions Alex Ferguson, especially when you've got Aberdeen connections like some of yourselves, you, you just want to know more about him. And, and it's, I think with any icon in football, it's important to get the full picture because not everybody's perfect and Alex Ferguson, is, is, as much as he is iconic and for me he's the greatest manager of all time, he's got his flaws as well, just as we all do and it's interesting mm-hmm. to get both sides of a story and, and it was fascinating. Ah, you need to get Alex Ferguson on now to hear his views on Joe Arthur. I think it comes across though how natural you are and I hope people trust you in terms of the way that he was telling the stories because as you say, he doesn't like talking about it so I credit to you, definitely. I think yeah, what I'll add to that is um, no I was just going to say what I'll add to that is that um, some of the guests um, when they've been speaking I'll m- mention Roger Mitchell as well um, you know these guys seem to enjoy talking to you. I mean they've been giving you compliments uh, as you're doing an interview which is, is very rare so I think that just shows what a um, natural ability you've got Calm and yeah keep on the, the good work is what I would say yeah, I would well, echo I think, that as well. I think people just, I've, I said this to Paul John Dykes a couple of weeks ago as well, some people are just really good at interviewing. I'm not. John is. You are. Paul John Dykes was. Just so keep up the great work you're doing. I, I really appreciate that. And I think when I started this, I've said before, my approach with it is basically I see myself in the role I, 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 I provide is just to steer the conversation along and Whenever anybody comes on, they, I'm not after to realise the guests are the star. Like for instance, tonight, this week, I'm, I've recorded with Alan Stubbs. And um, part two of that interview, a shameless plug here, but part two of that interview, if you're a St Mirren fan and if you're a Rotherham fan, is very interesting because let's just say he doesn't hold back on certain individuals and why he left those jobs. And I must say, it's not one of those bitter things. He admits that he made mistakes and he, he opens up about those mistakes, but he, he, t- he mentioned some of the things behind the scenes at both those clubs, which I found particularly alarming and interesting. But I think, as I've seen, my approach is the guest who comes on to star, I do my research thoroughly, I make sure I'm well prepped, and I try and just steer the conversation on when necessary. Because at the end of the day, when when somebody's on, like, you know this yourself, guys, if if you're lucky enough to, like, for instance, Alex Ferguson's a dream, right? Pinest guy thinking I'd ever get him on, but if you get somebody like Alex Ferguson on, you'd be daft not to let him speak, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just try and approach it from a point of view of ask you questions, steer it on, but also make sure I've got a listening ear in so that if, for instance, what David Robertson was on, I didn't expect him to mention Alex Ferguson as much as he did, so he, he mentioned him, and I immediately, although it wasn't on my, my list of questions or my prep notes, I just went down that path because whenever somebody mentions an important name or an interesting name, Sometimes you've just got to you've just got to run with it. Oh, I definitely. I think we've enjoyed yeah, it. The fact you let them speak as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you just you, you become a fan as well. You'd almost become a listener of your own podcast. I, well, I think that's the thing. You're right in terms of. I must say, when I started, as I, as I keep saying, that, I didn't expect. Um, to, I didn't expect it to grow anywhere near the rate it has. Um. I set out with three aims, and the three aims I started with were to have 300 followers by June on Twitter, to have 500 followers by December on Twitter, and the big unrealistic dream people laugh when they listen is to is to try and appear on BBC Off the Ball by July 2021. Um, that's the sort of three aims that I set out with. I thought, something Daniel G said to me, start with three aims and see how far you go. So the first two I managed to tick off within five weeks, which was bonkers. And then obviously we off the ball. That's that's just I, I, that probably will never happen. But I'll just keep plugging away in the in the hope that Stuart of Tam is kind enough to to have me on because that would be a dream. I won an off the ball mug last year, and honestly, I was like a wee kid on Christmas Day. It's like a prize possession. Nobody's even allowed to lift it up other than me or a, or a freak out. Somebody's going to smash it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um... I'm going. I'm going to ask particularly about the Roger Mitchell interview because, um, as he admitted himself, he doesn't do these types of things. And I wanted to listen to how he came across because I'll be I'll be brutal honest. I wasn't a fan of Roger Mitchell um, when he was um, chief executive of the um, SP SPL at the time, um, and he probably knows himself it wasn't popular. But it, it was an interesting insight listening to what he had to say because, um, as chief executive, people forget 
he's not actually in a position of power. Um, he's there to make recommendations, but it's up to others to force it through. And yep. of course, that's what happened with, um, you know, SPL TV falling through by the wayside. Um, but you know, I thought it'd be, um, I, I thought it'd be quite. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to find the words. I thought he talked down at times, but he was actually, if anything, was actually, you know, he was saying to you, uh, you, he was saying to you that you're probably in your life supporting a team like Morn because they're not exposed to media. But he was encouraging for you to do that and for doing your job, uh, for doing the stuff you did. And I thought he actually came across better than what I thought. It came about in the first place. Sorry. <laughs> I think with Roger, you're right. I think to be fair, Roger. Um... I reached out to him and, and he, he said the same as, as you guys. He said, I don't do these things and I certainly don't do them in Scotland. And I thought, oh no, this isn't going to go anywhere. And he was going to tell me to chase myself. But he said, give him his credit. He said, let me listen to an episode. Let me see what you do and I'll consider it. So he did. He had a listen. Um, he enjoyed it. And he said, I think you seem like somebody that's doing this for the right intentions. We'll do it. Um, and I said to him, when would you like to do it? And he says, why don't we do it in half an hour? Which caught me off guard. So in terms of that interview with Roger, it wasn't prepped the way I would normally prep. It was prepped with just a couple of bullet points and just tried to see where the conversation took us. And I, as you say, I think I was impressed with him in the sense that everyone knows Roger, he, he doesn't hold back. And he himself admits that he's, he's somebody who's, who's like, his, his mar- it's like marmite. People either like him and think he's a good personality and other people just as soon as they hear his name switch off. But, I think what I liked about Roger was the one thing, and I'm not just saying this because he's come on to try and blow smoke up his ass, but I think when you think about SPL TV at the time, looking when you look back at that now, that was so far ahead of its time when you think of the streaming services that you mm-hmm. get now, and obviously it didn't come off, and who's to say, right, it, it could have done it and it might have completely flopped. You could do it now and it might completely flop, but it's interesting, I think, when you consider the fact that he proposed that idea, what, 20 years ago, well ahead of Netflix and anything coming into fruition so I think he deserves credit for proposing that he himself admits he's made plenty of mistakes along the way um, but I think he's an interesting guy and I have a good relationship with him now as you know he's based in Italy and we recorded a a, a podcast last week just about the, the COVID-19 situation because he's based in Italy and we tried to analyse where where the game's going to go how the leagues are going to finish and what the kind of situation is for the country and I think he's a guy who some people, as I say, will, will never give him the light of day in Scotland again because of his past, but he's a guy who I, I personally have found working with him has been a joy and he's been very helpful to me, so I've got nothing but, but kind words to say about Roger. Good. Um, I mean, he, he he responded to, to a tweet that I, I'd sent directly to, to him um, you know, on the back of that podcast asking about, because I've always had the opinion that um, too many people on the boards of the SFA and the SPFL have got club agendas and they go in with that first and I think that people that are on those boards should be completely independent not not on the boards at all because that's how we've ended up with um, Egypt's like um, George Pete on the boards you know this guy ran Airdrie on the ground and he's um, president of Scottish football and we felt he, yeah, he agreed with me so no thanks Roger for um, answering that one <laughs> You don't have to look at the statements today to see exactly how the self-preservation works. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just exactly. looking at something. Um, going back to that point, that David Cohen on Twitter is usually really good from a sort of it's usually more of an English perspective, but he's uh, done an article for the Guardian on um, what youth is expected to do, and he's actually not expecting too much to happen. He's expecting Euro 2020 to get postponed, but other than that, it looks like it's going to be a wait and see kind of thing. And I thought actually, I think that's the position that football is going to be in for a while. I don't, I think they will have to make decisions at some point, but I don't think there's going to be, there's not going to be a, this is getting done definite for definite as of tomorrow, and then the European. Um, domestic game will follow suit. I just think it's going to be a case of we don't have a, we don't know enough about how long this is going to last, or we can't really do too much about it. Yeah, but one of the things I interesting. Sorry, one of the things I found interesting was a point on Sky Sports News today. Somebody was asking Eddie Howe about it, and and he made the point of depending on how long the games are off. Say, for instance, they're off, and you say right, we're going to start back in the first week of June. Surely teams would need since staff, but a kind of mini pre-season almost of like, yeah. two weeks before it maybe playing a bounce game or two because 
a lot of people think, oh, brilliant, we'll just get started at the, the last week in May or the first week of June. The players won't have played a competitive game for nearly two or three months. So I think, although we will get a date in the diary, hopefully, touch wood, to get football uh, up and running again soon, the logistics of also when it comes back are going to be interesting. How fit will the players be? Is there a risk to injuries? What do you do in that regard? Yeah, and it's not just that, because the guidance that's come out from the SFA today is don't train. <laughs> so if they're not they training, they're definitely not going to be ready to go as soon as uh, things clear up. So you can, yep. you know, well, I think we'll open them once. I really do. The other problem that you've got is this unique scenario whereby the Euros isn't just in one place. And the fact of the matter is in Europe, obviously, different countries are being affected by the virus in different ways. It's spreading at different times. Because we're obviously, what, four weeks or so behind Italy. So, um, aye, there, apparently. and stuff like that. So, you ca- how can you have a tournament? How can you know when the tournament's going to get played when this is the situation? Because it's still making its way around Europe, etc. Yeah, so, of, of, all the, of all the competitions that this could be affected, the Euro 2020 setup is probably the worst of the, of the lot. Yeah. Having said that, everybody gathering in one country wouldn't have been much better, I don't think. But in this case, it's a really going to where the problems are. So, aye, I, I, as I say, it looks like. What David Conn is saying that UEFA is expected to postpone Euro 2020, but that's about the only decision they'll be making. Um, and I think that probably is the right one because it gives it gives yeah. leeway for the rest of the stuff to, that is currently ongoing to at least potentially be uh, played to a finish. But um, like I say, if we don't know when this is going to finish, there's no way to really tell exactly when we can pick stuff up again because ultimately health comes first, not football. Absolutely. See, just as well, just as well, while we've got Callum on, usually when we have a guest on, we ask different questions, stuff like that, relating to football, or other stuff. So, Morton, what was your first game? Um, Give us two minutes to ask him again, because he's dropped off the call. (laughs) Let's just continue talking, whatever we want. But it's definitely going to be a different, difficult situation with the the whole Euros and the Champions League as well. They're talking about a mini tournament to try and decide who yeah. who wins it as well. Aye, so if they can get stuff clear, if we get the last sixteen clear, which is only halfway done really at this point, if they can get that bit through and then just play, like you say, the mini tournament for the last eight for both the Champions League and the Europa League, um, it's, I mean, it's got to be something that's possible because then you're looking at what for, for seven games. Across each of the two tournaments, if you do it as a oh, one-off aye. game instead of two legs, um, I don't aye. know if you could host seven games at the venue that they've got picked it because I think is it Istanbul and Gdansk. Aye, but the thing I seen recently, this was on BBC from about an hour ago. One idea floated is from the quarterfinal onwards, games could be played on a one-off basis as a mini tournament in aye, yeah. in those places, aren't So, aye, who knows? Yeah, but I mean they're not even at that point yet because yeah, the last season hasn't finished. I mean, although although by, well, I mean, by Leverkusen are obviously favourites to go through against Rangers if they get the second leg played. It's a big if. It's, it's crazy how things have developed so quickly because obviously last week we were talking about the fact that I uh, we knew that the Leverkusen match at that point was going to be played behind closed doors. They, they were in Germany. Um, the Rangers game was getting played, obviously, in front of a crowd, and you were thinking, is that going to be one of the last games that's played in front of a crowd? And aye, it turned out it was. Because I had this situation on Friday, I'd, I'd had my tickets booked for the Motherwell game. Um, so I was at my work, all say, oh yeah, for the game. It came that way, you know, you're a bit thinking, right, is this going to be, we're thinking that should be the last game, the Friday night game. Because there was an announcement on Friday, obviously, that they were going to cancel gatherings of 500 more as of Friday. And then all of a sudden, I get a ping through to the phone, the notification, I game off tonight, so... Mm-hmm. Um, aye, kind of a weird situation, and I, as John has alluded to, it's a very difficult one in t- to try and determine what you do and what's the right thing. The only right thing at the moment is that stuff's been obviously called off because of the, the virus, and they don't know how to control it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, the decision to call it off was the right one. Um, they, it probably should have been done slightly sooner than it was, but I don't, I mean, I don't think we would have lost any of the games that we uh, did play if we'd done it earlier because the last full weekend that we had um, it was was obviously in the news a lot and it hadn't really affected 
us yet. And even the the the, the midweek game with um, St Martin and Hearts, it wasn't quite on, upon us. But by the time we got to later in that week, and we were coming up the Friday night game, they were talking about it. there was that weird uh, point for a few hours where we were sitting with we're going to suspend mass gatherings as of Monday. And yes. you're thinking, well, if it's what's changing between now and Monday that you can get fifty thousand people inside Ibrox, for instance. That was already part of the panic. I think even though there was like in whole conspiracy things about that, probably there was a bit of panic in terms of if that's not on, what will happen? Yeah. I think right. a wee bit. And obviously yeah. the emergency services had all been involved in different things like that. And But yeah, eventually they just had to make a decision. The only thing is maybe the frustrating thing is that the decision looked like it was made on the back of the decision down south. Ah, it was usually but, more following suit because we always yeah. do it in English too. Um, when it comes to these kind of decisions. Yeah, but, but that was then due to like manage or take it obviously yeah. getting it and then Hudson and Chelsea and different things like that. Um, it basically took um, Arteta um, to force um, the SPFL's hand. Um, let's, let's be honest, um, because the the statement from uh, Nicholas Sturgeon and the government on the Thursday was um, we'll cancel 500 plus events from Monday, which I to be honest ridiculous. And I expect, no, as someone who dependence is gone, I thought it was disappointing to hear um, as if the virus was going to stop um, from the Thursday to the Monday. It should, the call should have been made then just to stop it. But, um, and then it took Mikel to a situation that obviously forced the police hand down south, and then the SPFL thought, well, we we'll need to stop for us. So. Yeah, because there'd been obviously, uh, I mean, Arsenal had had the situation whereby they played Nottingham Forest and Olympiacos recently, and both their orders had been tested positive for coronavirus. So, aye. But it's weird, I think, I don't I don't know, I've not listened to Calum's podcast with Audra Mitchell, but he was talking about the fact that the whole coronavirus situation, and they're coming under some criticism, maybe that they left it a week too late to, to call off things. Because obviously, I think, was it last Monday when we were on? We found out about Regani having it. The boy at Juventus, I think. Was that Monday? Last Monday? Yeah. I, I think so. Um, but obviously, in terms of the general public, they'd kind of suffered a fair amount for it, a fair amount before um, any of the kind of football community had been affected. Because it, it looked like initially that it was an illness that was predominantly um, affecting the, the vulnerable in society or people with health conditions, whereas it turns out that. It's starting to look like no one's uh, immune to it. So. Yeah, it's not looking good for Calm come back on. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've tried him a few times. That's disappointing. Technical issues. Have we got anything else that we want to discuss in terms of? What's been going on? What might happen? Not really. I think we'll, 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 as this progresses, we'll probably have more to talk about as we learn more and more things. But I mean, once UEFA have met on Tuesday and then whatever happens in the days after that, we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, we're waiting to see like everybody else. <laughs> Aye. Difficult one. Pretty much. As we can do. Yeah, I think the big problem with, with this is, is that this virus itself is um, unprecedented. Everything else to do with football, you know, I don't think. Um, the problem is, is that no one really knows what to do um, in terms of how to containment. Um, so it's, uh, I think I just Elba, the, um, the actor, um, says that he's got it and he didn't even show signs of symptoms. So it's like Aye. you're getting told um if you if you've got a cold stay in the house um if you've but if you're in for two weeks and then you come back out you still could get it um or, or you could still transmit it it's um it's just difficult and um what to believe um but you know the only advice is that, that we can give is just be safe as you can. Aye, because obviously there was a, there's, it's going to be now in a situation whereby we're getting daily meetings at the government level and daily conferences to see what's happening. So even if you're yeah. someone in your household has got symptoms, everyone in the household is to stay in for 14 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that, again, that's something else that changed today because originally it was just a few had the symptoms and you had to stay in. So, um, Aye, but they were questioned in that because uh, the whole thing was yeah. about all oh, the seven-day thing and then they tried to backtrack and say that was, beca- that was only a few lived on your own, which but that wasn't mentioned on Friday. Yeah. 
no. um, they kind of backtracked a wee bit on that because um, everyone was confused is it 7 days or 14 days because the initial advice was 14 days um, the, the big thing I'll be is um, when and if the schools close down um, yeah I mean we, we are approaching the Easter holidays nobody would be surprised if the Easter holidays start a little early at this point aye, it could be aye, it could be the Easter holidays as the end of school for the, for the year so, of, do, uh, I mean that's the other thing is once the Easter holidays are done do they go back <laughs> I guess again we'll wait and see what happens but, but they're um, now saying it's a period of three months that a minimum of three months that this is going to be impacted uh, so, so they think it could last as long as a year uh, oh yeah because I've seen that with uh, somebody down south was saying um, it could be April next year before everyone's back to normal see maybe that's the answer to, to football we just pause football for exactly a year and then pretend never happened full season <laughs> aye well and then we just so start def- back next March <laughs> aye um, yeah with only about two clubs left aye that's the problem because um, the longer it goes on the more um, clubs are going to struggle to stay afloat with no income and still paying wages and all that stuff that goes with it so there's there's so many problems I mean I was watching Football Focus on Saturday um, and they spoke to somebody I think they were I don't know one of the lower leagues in England um, and he spoke to one of the managers and he had a list as long as his arm of things they had to cover he looked like the busiest man in the world <laughs> uh, and this is a guy that's running a football club that's all he's doing it's always, you'd think with football being stopped he'd have nothing to do but actually he's ridiculously busy because he's trying to get a whole other stuff covered um, I say the busiest man in the world actually the busiest people in the world are the IT people who are currently trying to find every piece of kit they could possibly use so everybody can remote work mm. And uh, God bless every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the bit? Um, was it March of the Day Extra or something like that? I don't know. Some fancy thing it's called with Jermaine Janus. And he had Billy Gilmer on it. And he was trying to describe what Haggis Neeps and Tatties was. <laughs> but then he didn't know what Neeps was. He didn't even know what Neeps was. He just said, I just meant it together and eat it. And then he was getting the the guy that was interviewed him. He was saying about slicing Tatties corn and all that. Going to a rogue shop and ask for. No one slicing tatty scorn if you're in Scotland. It's quite amusing. It's good. Seems a uh, down to earth guy anyway. I, I, did, I did seem to get a praise for saying slice. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we can always we can almost definitely expect that tomorrow one thing that will happen is the Scotland Israel game won't be on. Because I think uh, Norway and Serbia have said they won't play anyway. They're not going to play Aye. their game. So. Aye, I think our playoffs are gone. Um, whatever they do with the tournament we'll just need to wait and see yeah yeah wait and see that's the advice for me <laughs> I think everybody's yeah. going to be following that I thought we can do and it's yeah well I mean it's changing on a daily basis it's almost changing on an hourly basis at times yeah. Um, yeah so yeah but in terms of the podcast itself we are hoping to have guests lined up the next few weeks so that at least we can have something to talk about and as, as, as we've said before, there will be developments in terms of what's going on and we can discuss things and we can always chat about wrestling pies, whatever. If you've got any topics that you want us to talk about, send them in. Um, we've had a good bit of interaction on the podcast account um, and Twitter the last few days or so. Um, Saturday might have been helped a wee bit by um, some beverages. Um, I'm not saying who might have been involved <laughs> um, with that. Obviously, it was good, John. Um Oh, aye. and then there was a wee, bit of, a wee bit of good laugh tonight as well so that's what it might come down to in the, in, on the Twitter account recently that we'll just end up starting asking random things maybe we'll find out a bit more about the listeners yeah, which should be good aye so when you're, you're sitting stuck in your house for the next three months you know what we are on Twitter yes. Yes, so come and join us because we'll be yeah, stuck in the house definitely too. Uh, yeah. but aye, as, as you say I mean because of the nature that we do this podcast I mean some podcasts they get together in a room and they chat around like Microphones we don't, we're on Skype, so we could keep going. Yep, <laughs> if we had anything to talk about, <laughs> and that might be a good thing and a bad thing for listeners, but uh, no, we appreciate any interaction as we've said before. And but we don't bite, well, no, we can't bite over the internet anyway. But I don't know about you guys and your private life, but I no, we don't bite online, we're <laughs> generally well behaved, even myself, I don't swear online. Oh, well, just, I can just imagine us getting to uh, Welcome to Season 9, Episode 74. We're here for Tiddlywinks this week. Oh, I can be like, I, <laughs> I, I, I. 
I, I mean, we'll make, need to make a decision when does season nine end and when does season ten start. Ourselves, <laughs> I mean, uh, and, we'll, we'll, is this is this podcast season not in void? Delete the lost episodes. Yeah, It'll go down in history in the future. <laughs> we'll delete the entire thing and start again with season nine next like August, maybe September, twenty twenty one. We've got a lost guest, unfortunately. What's we'll, that? we'll try and get Calm back on. We've got a lost guest because um, this is not happening. Get Calm back on. Yeah, um, definitely. We'll definitely get him back like, on. Because it was good to have him on there. Uh, if we could have covered a bit more of the questions that we were going to talk to him about. But yeah. Um, we'll just so, get more right. next week. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We can do a, a part two. He likes to, his podcast in two parts. So we'll do the same when you get him back on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other uh, thing as well, Scottish football, we had a possibility of seeing some development as a pyramid. But that's also on the back burner now as well. I don't know whether they're still going to conduct meetings. Because uh, it was a meeting last Tuesday, and it looked like we were seeing some kind of progress, but I don't know what happened there. But who knows? I don't think anything <laughs> will get um, made until next year. <laughs> Aye. Um, but yeah, any suggestions you've got for anything you want us to cover on the podcast, send them in, and we shall be back next week. Fab. Hi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Callum, for coming on. Yeah. We'll keep it up. Callum!